The scripture this evening is Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? It's certainly great to see you, and it's great to have the Ryan Smithy family with us uh, this evening. He is a gospel preacher, in case you couldn't tell from the look there. And I tell you what, Ryan has been a faithful preacher of the gospel for a number of years now, and he's here with his family, and one of the things they do a great work with is... Tolstar. I don't know how familiar you are with Tolstar, but it's a family undertaking. It really is. It's a family uh, ministry. They go places and record gospel meetings, lectureships, and seminars. A lot of the focal point seminars you have heard over the years, uh, Ryan and his family were involved in that. And it's great to have them with us tonight. They are our guests I have to tell the whole truth, they're here to get some of Julie Orr's cookies, and we all can understand that, and amen uh, that too. But it is wonderful to have them with us tonight. We appreciate the good work that they do. Let's keep Miss Elsie in our prayers. Uh, This incident, uh, seemingly with her blood sugar, she's normally right over here to the speaker's left on the second row. And she's a sweet lady, an encouraging lady, and we want to encourage her in her relationship with the good Lord. That's especially something we want to be praying about. All right. Short sermon. Happy Memorial Day weekend. They can be exhausting, they can be irritating and frustrating. They can be enlightening, and they can make a huge difference, not only in this life, but in the life to come. No, I am not talking about children, although all that I've just said would apply. I'm talking about questions. If you are a parent... Yes, questions can be exhausting and irritating. They can be very enlightening and they can make the difference, all the difference in the world for things that occur here and for eternity. Can I give you one example of a question that can make all the difference? Will you marry me? Doesn't a question like that make a lot of difference? in one's life, and very likely, eternity too. The questions that are asked at the beginning of Psalm 15 are incredibly good questions. There's a couple of things that you need to understand about the nature of questions. The first one is this. The first insight is this. Insightful people ask good questions. 
And really the way to be a better Bible student is to know how to ask and to answer great questions from the text itself. But here's another insight. Rarely will you get a great answer without a good question preceding it. Rarely will you get a great answer without a good question preceding it. Psalm 15 consists of only five verses. But what a mountain of information is packed into five brief verses. Here's the way to look at the structure. Psalm 15 verse 1, the question. Really there are two, technically, but really one overall. More about that in a moment. Then in verses 2 through 5, there is an answer that consists of ten parts. More about that in just a little bit. It sounds kind of like the Ten Commandments, and I guess we could think of these as ten ethical practices. If we think of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, then we can think also of ten ethical practices concerning others of one who is right with God. And then the last part of verse 5, these shall not be moved. There's assurance. There's question. There's answer. There is assurance. Another way of looking at this psalm is this. Seeking God's presence. Seeking God's presence. Verse 1. Obeying God's precepts. Verses 2 through 5. Finding assurance in Him. The close of verse 5. Got it? Now let's look a little more thoroughly. Let's look at the question of Psalm 15.1 and why it is an absolutely great question. What the psalmist is asking, David, if we look at the superscription, the heading to this psalm, what David is asking quite simply is this. Who can rub shoulders with a holy God? Who can be one who sojourns in God's tent? Throughout this life, they sojourn with the Lord. And if we want to look at it even more fully, the second part of the question, who is it that can dwell on His holy hill? Think of Psalm 23, verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, think of the psalm prior to this, Psalm 14, which really begins with saying, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But it asks in verse 5 about the company of the righteous. Well, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, the company of the righteous is being talked about in Psalm 15. Who really will be in the presence of God 
Who gets to rub shoulders with a holy God throughout this life? Who is God's friend like Abraham is called three times in the Word of God? Who really is God's friend? I'd say that's an absolutely important question to to ask and to know the answer to, wouldn't you? Who really is close to God Who really is God's friend? Who really knows great communion and the presence of God in this life and will know that presence of God everlastingly in glory? Who? Now here's the thing. Psalm 15 is one of the most crushing chapters in all of Scripture. Because in verses 2 through 5, when he gives those ten ethical practices, I suspect that even the best of us rarely go a week or two without crossing the line concerning at least some of these practices. Look at the ten He walks blamelessly. Notice how these unfold. It's important to do this structurally. In verse 2, three positive practices of the person that wants to be close to God. In verse 3, three negative practices. Things they don't do. Then in verse 4, there's two positives. And then in verse 5, there's two negatives, two practices they will not do. Not going to do it. Positive, negative, positive, negative. Then the assuring conclusion, those who practice these things shall not be moved. They will be people who dwell in the house of the Lord forever, who are God's friends. All right, just look in your Bible as we go through these, beginning in verse 2. This psalm, it sort of breaks us and humbles us. He walks blamelessly. The New American Standard says, walks in integrity. Do you always walk in integrity and blamelessly? Or do we do things that are not right in God's sight? Keep looking at the passage. Does what is right. Speaks truth always in his heart. Out here in the West Texas oil patch, do we ever sometimes just stretch the truth a little bit because everybody does it? Speaks truth in his heart. There's three positives. Now notice three negatives. And notice how he goes through kind of an anatomy aspect of the body. The walk. Does what's right. Speaks truth in his heart. Does not slander with his tongue. Just look at the various parts of the human body quickly referred to. Does not slander with his lips does no evil to his neighbor. 
Well, they got what's coming to them. I just treated them the same way they treated me. Does no evil to his neighbor. Does not take up a reproach against a friend. Doesn't indulge or participate in anything that brings reproach upon a friend. Talk about a faithful friend. Somebody that won't do these things. Look at verse 4. In whose eyes evil is despised and honor is given to those who fear the Lord. Do you see it? This passage can just break us when we think about sometimes Hollywood is extolled. Athletes, professional athletes are extolled. People in Washington are are held up as paragons of virtue. And yet, when we think about it, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Continuing with the text. Verse 5 He says at the close of verse 4, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. They keep their word. You know, many can remember a time when a handshake was all that was needed on an agreement. People were good for their word. Look at verse 5. They do not put out money at interest. They're not out simply to make a buck off of somebody because they care about others. They practice the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. And notice this, and does not take a bribe about, uh, concerning the innocent. Does not take a bribe regarding the innocent. They can't be bought That's what we'd say, they can't be bought. Now when you look at all ten of those, it is hard for a week or two to go by without many of us being tempted to fall into some of these sins. And certainly a month. But think about a lifetime. Think about a lifetime. You read this psalm and you can ask, who in the world is able to live up to the ethical standard being talked about in Psalm 15? And it makes us think. Hey, Scott, Ragel, good to have you and Becky here too. But it makes us think. We have to examine ourselves, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and give the more diligence to make our calling and election sure. Now here's what I want to say. Psalm 15 ultimately crushes us and humbles us, but it does that to make us reflect because we realize that we are not capable in and of ourselves of being this kind of person always. And this psalm points beyond itself to one who is Jesus. Now let's go back and look at verses 2 through 5. 
The idea of him walking blamelessly. He did no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 through 25. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Jesus would say, John 8, 46. You talk about somebody who always walked blamelessly and integrity. Next, he does what is right. John 8, 29. The Lord said, I always do the things that are pleasing to the Father. I don't know that we can say that, can we? Next. He speaks the truth in his heart. You talk about someone who is truly pure in heart, Matthew 5 and verse 8. You talk about someone who is truth. He's full of grace and truth, John 1, 14 through 18. Again, who does not slander with his tongue. He only spoke wisely and appropriately. By your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Matthew twelve thirty four through 36. Who does no evil to his neighbor, you talk about someone who ever practiced the golden rule, it would be Jesus. Matthew seven twelve. Who does not take up reproach against a friend. Jesus didn't even do that against his enemies. After all, it was Jesus who cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Luke 23. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but one is honored who fears the Lord. Think Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Jesus was certainly the embodiment of that. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Think of Jesus again. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke 9.51 Although he knew what awaited. Again. He does not put out money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. Not only that, but Jesus wouldn't take a bribe from the devil concerning the wicked, us. The devil said to him in one of the temptations in Matthew 4, remember, if you'll bow down before me, you can have it all. A moment of service, bowing before me, and you can have it all. Now, we all know that the devil makes promises that he doesn't keep. But Jesus would not be bribed. Even though we were without strength and sinners and enemies, Romans 5, 6 through 11, Jesus would still go to the cross for us. Now notice the last expression, that these shall not be moved. It's been well said that Psalm 15 sounds an awful lot like the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
Except your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom, Matthew 5.20. Be perfect, even as he who called you is perfect, Matthew 5.48. If you do your acts of righteousness to be seen of men, you'll have your reward, but not one from God, Matthew 6, 1 through 18. These shall not be moved. Those who rely on what God alone can give are people who can be God's friend, who desire more than anything to be in His presence. These shall not be moved. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 The children's song, The Wise Man. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. The foolish man's house went splat. It was moved. Those who desire to be in God's presence and His friend in this life and eternity and who are willing to look to Jesus to make them right These are the people who will not be moved. Thank you for listening. We're going to stand and sing our song of encouragement. We will not get to heaven on our own merit. We will need the blood of Jesus who deals with our sin and who gives us eternal life. We need Him desperately. Amen. We need His grace. And how thankful we should be that He took the initiative in giving us grace through Jesus. That doesn't mean faith is passive. Faith is active and responds in love and obedience. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. Galatians 5 and verse 6. And we ask you to respond to His grace in faith and love and obedience. Have you come to Him in baptism? having repented of your sins. And for us as Christians, the people that are closest to God are the people that more than anything desire to be close to God. It's no accident. There is an investment being made out of joy and love to draw closer to God. Have you made the investment? Let's stand and sing.